0: Okay, and the story begins, friends. Welcome. We are on page 12, the middle of page 12. Adon Olam. I'm actually really excited about this class. As of today, Adon Olam is my favorite prayer. (laughs) One of them. It's it's just so beautiful. As of just preparing for this course, learning a little bit more uh, for, for this discussion, learning more, a little bit more about it. It's deep. It's powerful. Let's start Let's start with reading it in English. Let's read it quickly in English just to know what we're talking about. It's probably the most common prayer in the prayer book. It, it, I, I think it's like kind of synonymous with just Jewish culture, you know, Adon Alam. Adon Alam, fun fact, one of the only songs you could sing to any tune and it will fit automatically. <laughs> There's very few songs like that. Let, let's read it. In English real quickly, and then we'll go through it. Middle of the page. Lord of the universe who reigns before anything was created. At the time when his will, all things were made. At the time when by his will, all things were made. Then was his name proclaimed king. And all things shall cease to be. Sorry, uh, my reading today is off. New glasses. And after all things shall cease to be, the awesome one will reign alone. He was, he is, and he shall be in glory. He is one, there is no other to compare to him, to consort with him, without beginning, without end. Power and dominion belong to him. He is my God and my ever-living Redeemer, the strength of my lot in time of distress. He is my banner and my refuge, my portion on the day I call. Into his hand, I entrust my spirit when I sleep and when I wake. And with my soul, my body too, the Lord is with me. I shall not fear. Okay. Let's start with the history. How old is this prayer? Who wrote this prayer? At what point did it make its way into the sitter? The answer is actually unknown. But what we do know is one of the earliest sources of when this prayer was quoted. Last week, we spoke about the ages, the time era of the geonim, the geonic period, the small period of time, of a segment of time, of unique geniuses who were post-Talmud, but they were post-Talmud age. Yet, they were still living in Babylon, and they were still considered to be experts in the Talmud. So this is this predates, just to give historical context, predates the Rambam, predates Rashi, predates the Ramban, the classic Talmudic and biblical commentaries. Yet, it's still post-Talmud. And we know that they quote this prayer. The prayer is not quoted in the Talmud, at least not explicitly, but perhaps it existed then and maybe even earlier. There was a famed rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, as well as a famous um, rabbi from the Egonic period named Rabbi Hai Gaon. I assume Hai is more of a Babylonian or Aramaic name. And here's what they write. This is fascinating. They guarantee, they made a guarantee, a promise, if you will, that anybody who recites the Adon Olam with kavana, intentionally, you say it like you mean it, their prayer is going to be heard. The spiritual heavenly prosecutor, the Satan, the Yetzer Hara, is not going to be able to prosecute them on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Just by saying Adon Olam, with kavana, with intention, our prayers are heard, and we bypass potential negative prosecution. And you'll as we uh, unpack the Adon Olam tonight, you'll see why that is. Adon Olam is a beautiful prayer, but why are we reciting it here? <laughs> What's the point? What is the relevance? In other words, by the way, some synagogues, there are various customs. Some synagogues do recite it at the end of prayers. Um, But our tradition, and I I, got to believe most traditions, but I'm not 100% sure, recite it in the morning. Why? So the Talmud says something interesting. The Talmud says, again, the Talmud doesn't uh, mention Adon Alam explicitly. Although the message, the value, is definitely is definitely um, uniquely uh, essential to Judaism, as you'll soon see. The Talmud points out that we have three daily prayers. We have the Shachris, the morning prayer. We have the mincha, the afternoon prayer. We have the evening, the ma'ariv, the, the evening prayer. And these three prayers correspond to the three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The Talmud says that Abraham actually established the very notion of praying in the morning, shacharis. Isaac established the notion of praying in the afternoon, Mincha. Jacob established the notion of praying in the evening, Mariv. And the Talmud quotes a biblical verse indicating how Abraham prayed in the morning. That was his version of shacharis. Isaac in the afternoon, Mincha. Jacob in the evening, Mariv. The Talmud also says something else. The Talmud says that historically, nobody ever since the beginning of creation referred to God as their master with that specific term, which has a very unique connotation. People recognized God, but nobody ever recognized God as a master until Abraham. So Abraham um, just, just how, how many years since creation did Abraham exist? I don't know the answer. I'm not asking rhetorically. Uh, I'm going to say about a th- does it make sense to say a thousand or 1500? If the world was 5,782 years old um, Let's say 1500, let's say even 2,000 makes sense about 2000 years the first right abraham existed about two uh, maybe 1500 years so abraham and, and yet for those many centuries and perhaps millennia nobody recognized god as a master up until abraham abraham referred to god as adonai my master abraham represents the prayer of Shachris, the morning prayer so how do we start with Shachris? we say adon olam master of the universe i know in the translation here they write lord of the universe the literal i don't know what lord means (laughs) um the the literal translation of adon as in god's name adonai adon means master Abraham was the first to recognize God as a master, and we do the same. Now, what's the significance of Abraham recognizing God as a master? Seems like semantics. I can call God my master. I can call him my God. What's the difference? Why are we getting caught up in the names? So the commentaries explain that you have others throughout history prior to Abraham that did recognize God. Abraham wasn't the first to discover God. Abraham was the first to perhaps discover God independently. He was the first to preach God and share the value of monotheism with others. Adam and Eve recognized God. They conversed with God in person. Noah and his family, who were spared by the flood, recognized God. And yet others throughout history that recognized God. Yet Abraham didn't just recognize God, he didn't just recognize that God exists. He said, God is my master in this world. He's relevant to this world. He didn't just create the world and walk away. He's not just watching us from above. He's present here. He's relevant here. He's, he is the Adon Olam. He is the master of the universe. Abraham was the first to recognize this. Abraham instituted the Shacharit prayer. So we recognize this every single morning in the Shacharit prayer. let let me put it this way up until abraham you had various debates is there one god is there two gods three gods right people had multiple gods people there was some all sorts of uh, paganism and and uh, various forms of idolatry serving things but what abraham and, and also interesting just to note Maimonides goes through the development, if you will, the evolution of idolatry. Abraham, Adam and Eve were created by God, right? At what point in history did people not recognize God? Abraham, Adam and Eve were created by God. Their children understood, oh, my parents were created by the palms of God. They spoke to God. At what point did, did things go haywire and did, did idolatry come into the picture? It was a slow development. It started off as people recognizing that there is a God, but he's not relevant. He's going to give power, delegate power to the sun, to the moon, to the stars, to the constellations. Let's give them attention. So eventually they forgot about God totally and only gave attention to the stars, the moons, the sun, the constellations. And eventually that included other idols as well. There was a whole developmental process. But essentially it was the difference of saying, oh, there was one God. Okay, why can't there be two, three, four? Abraham asserted that there's not just one God, but that God is one. I'm going to say that again because I think this is so important. Abraham asserted that it's not just that there's one God, but that God is one. What do we say in the Shema? Shema Yisrael, hero Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. We don't just say there's one God as opposed to two, three, or four. We say God is one. He's literally united with everything because everything is literally an expression, a part of him. God is relevant everywhere. And we start off this meditation by saying that he's the Adon, the master, the Lord, of the Olam, of the world. He's relevant in this world. He's relevant in the here. He's relevant in the now. Abraham recognized this. And at the beginning of our prayers every single morning, we meditate on this. We recognize this. Okay, any questions, comments, thoughts?
1: Well, I've seen other prayers where the English translation says "Master Universe," but it, I think it says show along. Um,
0: right, synonyms. So Rabon rib- can Ribbono. also mean yeah. Rebon comes from like the word "Rav," hmm. which can also mean master, like a like a rabbi.
1: And to use another language is maybe an explanation of why there's the two translations: Lord and Master. In, in Japanese, they have a word dono, which um, if you're referring to the Lord of the, um, you know, they were feudal back in old Japan. So the, the, like the, the king-like person, they, they a, a the translation, it's, it's the same word, Japanese dono, but they're referring to this like leader type person. They, the English translation says Lord, but uh, a wife can call her husband that same word but in that case it's always translated master right so
0: it's it's contextual yeah it's contextual i i'm i'm look the person who translated the sitter is much more of an expert than i am i'm not here to say it's it's incorrect um i just i can tell you what i what i relate to better lord sounds like uh some sort of british monarch (laughs)
2: yeah
1: so you so you feel that master is the better
0: Um, i I know the word adon is is often translated as master
1: because in other prayers where it says adon and Nai, it it pretty much always says lord in that case unless unless um, unless it's referring to it It sometimes says master but in a different context
0: it's referring to the lord but god has different There's different contexts to the relationship with God. In this context of our relationship with God, with the Lord, it's Master, my Master. So I guess they'll write Lord instead of Master, but you'll see other times, like you said, that they'll write Lord as well.
1: So it's not using Master in the sense of um, like we're slaves to God or we're serfs to God. We're we're using Master as more of Maker, leader.
0: I I would say that um, it's yes. In other words, it's not it's certainly not to the exclusion of that. You know, what one of the most misquoted passages in the Torah is when Moses goes to Pharaoh and says, Let my people go, and people stop the sentence right there, even though there's another half of the sentence. Let my people go free, so they can serve God. <laughs> Because that's what freedom is. <laughs> you're either serving Pharaoh or you're serving God. We're either serving ourselves, we're either serving something negative or we're serving something positive. But there's no such thing as not serving anything. We're, we're going to be a slave to something. Oh. So it, it, it definitely, we are his servant. We are here to serve him. But over here, just looking in the context of the prayer, he is the true Ultimate deity. And we'll, we'll we'll unpack what that means in a moment.
1: Well, I, I feel there's the connotation also superiority, superior to us. hmm
0: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. Let let me put it this way: the Adonolam prayer can be synthesized into two points. the first let you could divide the prayer in half the first half describes essentially who god is if you had to pick one word to describe god which really uh, it, it, that's not possible how could you describe god how could he fit a human description how could a human label him? <laughs> I'm not really labeling him. I'm labeling my perception of him. But that's the best description of him. He's not describable. If I was forced to choose one word, the word I would choose is independent. What else is truly independent other than God? Everything is dependent on something. Us human beings, we love to feel independent. But he's- we are so... <laughs> what? He's dependent on us doing mitzvah so he, 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 he Jay, that that is true on some level that his purpose for which he created the world is dependent on us but his yeah. his existence his existence isn't isn't dependent in other words he's choosing to depend on us 100 percent, which by the way should make us feel really good god is choosing to depend on us that's a big deal but in order for him to exist, he doesn't need to depend, he's not dependent on breathing, he doesn't need food, doesn't need water, doesn't there are no needs in the human sense. Humans, animals, plants, even inanimacy, everything has some sort of need for its existence, just to simply exist to function. In order for God to exist, well he predated all of this. So he doesn't need any of this. We need it. He doesn't need it. And that's exactly what we say over here. Lord of the universe, I'll read it in the English, who reigned before anything was created. In other words, before creation, before existence, he had a life. <laughs> Which, by the way, the fact that he created us should make us feel really good. There must have been a really good reason because he wasn't bored. He had a life. He has an existence independent of our cre- of our creation. Yet he chooses to value us. At the time when by his will, all things were made. Then was his name proclaimed king. After all things shall cease to be. So before creation, just God. And he decided to create the world, but there was a whole existence. You you know, think about like your relationship with your parents. Especially as a kid. Your whole conception of your parents is their relationship to you you didn't know that they had a life before you were born a history before you were born a childhood an upbringing um uh, uh they went to school they had work they had life they had they may even had a, a a previous marriage they they may have even had there's so much more that we don't know we just know our short relationship with them especially as kids as we mature we're able to see past that and envision perhaps there's more than what i than what i've experienced and it's the same with god before he created the world he was god he was still god (laughs) he's not god because he created the world if there was no world he would still be god and what we're now saying is after all things shall cease to be the awesome one will reign alone After the world, I'm not saying necessarily that there is going to be an end. But theoretically, if the world were to cease to exist, he would still be God. Which makes him seem kind of aloof, irrelevant. And we'll talk about that in a moment. Because this is the case, because he's totally independent, independent of time, independent of space, independent of all human things. Therefore, he was, he is, and he shall be in glory. He is one and there is no other to compare to him. Nothing can compare to God. You can't say God is smarter than you. It doesn't make sense. God is smarter than me. Like, as if you can compare us. (laughs) He's without beginning. He's without end. Power and dominion belong to him.
2: uh,
0: Yeah, yeah, go for it.
2: Okay, so your relationship with your parents, you don't, when you're small, you don't understand everything. When you get older, you kind of learn more and you understand and and you find yourself within their, your relationship with them and with his past and history because they teach you. So are we not supposed to try and understand them, but we don't have any information to understand them? So how do we do that?
0: That's a good question. That's a good question we are supposed to try to understand him it there there is this blend between trying to understand him and at some point realizing that we do need to rely on faith um the the data we have is only what the torah gives us because the torah is his divine will the torah is his wisdom what he <laughs> shares with us is the data we have you know the, the data your sh- your parents share with you you, you you could only work with the data you have. At some point, you got to just uh, accept, embrace that there's more. And it's the same with God. We can only work with what we're given. And by the way, we we have a lot to work with. We we definitely have um a lot to work with. But at some point, uh, that that does leave room for faith. It there was like this balance between engaging our minds, but knowing that that's not the end, or so much more.
2: But, but then with the sidur is not from him it's from people in awe of him and understanding him and trying to understand that there is no understanding
0: right that, that there's a famous um poetic line in it it's it sounds a lot better in hebrew but it says the ultimate knowledge of you is that i cannot know you it's to know that i cannot know you that's the ultimate, or like the, the Talmud says, where you experience God's greatness, that's him being humble.
2: <laughs> it,
1: it seems this whole prayer is a definition of God, as opposed to praising God or, or thanking God. It's a definition of him, for a definition of something we can't understand.
0: Right, right. And the, the, the concerning part about that, if we were to stop the prayer halfway through the middle, as we just did, and then close the sitter, we'd walk away thinking, wow, I can never understand this God. He's independent of my own mind. He doesn't need me. Yeah, I could not be here tomorrow and he's still going to be the same God <laughs> So, what is this? Doesn't make me feel too good. (laughs) This awesome, powerful God seems very aloof. Seems very what's the word? Um, I don't know.
2: Independent.
0: Independent, right? It doesn't seem like a real relationship. You're not needed
2: in this relationship.
0: Yeah. Exactly. It doesn't. If we were to stop halfway through that prayer, we might not feel too good. We might respect God deeply, appreciate how wow. But we might also say, "What does this have to do with me?" <laughs> so that's why we have a second half of the prayer. The second half of the prayer is it's, it's brilliant. It, um, five lines from the bottom of the paragraph, the middle paragraph on the page. So, despite how independence he is how awesome he is and i say awesome in the literal sense of the word despite him being the master of the universe we said adon ola master of the universe master of the world has the same numerical value as in self no end independent uh, uh, infinite sorry despite all of this he is my god and my ever-living redeemer the strength of my lot in time of distress. You know what that means? God is so great. So independent. He doesn't need me to exist. He needs me for the purpose of why he created the world. But to exist, he doesn't need me. Yet, like we say in the Hebrew, it's the third line from the bottom. Vuhu Eli, He is my God. He's mine. The He is a living redeemer. He takes me out of distress. He chooses to care about me. He's my banner and my refuge, my portion on the day I call. I call to him, he answers. That's just beautiful. Into his hand, I entrust my spirit when I sleep and when I wake. I feel that when I go to sleep, I'm safe, he's with me. When I wake up, I'm safe because he's with me and with my soul, my body to the Lord is with me. I shall not fear. That's true. Greatness. True greatness means you're so great. You don't need to hang out in heaven with great people, (laughs) with angels and souls. (laughs) He chooses to care about us to be present with us in chapter 46 of Tanya. We studied a meditation similar to this where you have a a person who is out in the dumps on the street, homeless, disheveled, dirty. And the king decides to bring him into the palace, shower him off, embrace him, show him special attention. The king doesn't need this person. The king is being kind. But how is this person going to feel? It's going to feel great and god does the same with us we have all sorts of schmutz (laughs) that we collect we have our challenges we have our doubts we have our past we have our distorted perceptions on life we have all our, our animal, like we spoke about last week, we have our ideal self and we have our comfortable self. And often we're, we identify better with our more comfortable self than we do with our ideal self. Yet this Adon Olam, who is totally independent, says, We, we say, He is my God. He's still mine. He's still here for me. He still cares about me.
2: It's more, it's also like more like we choose him. He's mine. So that's kind of committing to him that we choose him.
0: Right. It's it's like Anila Dodi with Dodi Li. The relationship is mutual. Yeah. 100%. 100%. Well said. Well said. The Jerusalem Talmud. There's two versions of the Talmud. There's the Talmud that was authored in Jerusalem and uh, edited by or collected by Rabbi Yochanan, the famous Rabbi Yochanan. Then about 100 years later, towards the Babylonian Talmud, collected, compiled by Ravina and Ravashi, two Babylonian scholars, about 100 years later. When people quote Talmud, the default is Babylonian Talmud. That's the more accepted version. And um, for the most part, Jerusalem Talmud is more for academic use, if you will. Um, but that's not for the most part where where rulings come from but the jerusalem talmud says something interesting it it contrasts a god with any other important um figure if you need somebody if you need something from an important figure let's just say uh uh I, I shouldn't I, I shouldn't say important figure a prominent figure. <laughs> Sometimes prominent figures are not important. Um, you need something from Mark Zuckerberg I'm throwing I'm giving a random example right our neighbor. Okay so you just show up in um, Palo Alto or wherever wherever meta is wherever Facebook is just knock on his door right It doesn't work that way. <laughs> You have to somehow call and get put on a waiting list. Get in touch with a secretary. Get a security checkpoint. There's all these. There's so much going on before you're going to ever speak to him, and you probably won't speak to him. You'll probably get through some automated system. That's <laughs> it's it's never going to happen. <laughs> He's too important for us. Right? He has better things to do. I I, I say that sarcastically. The Talmud says, but contrast that to God. Well, God is pretty important. God is the Adonai, the master of the universe, the independent master of the universe, which means even without the universe, he would still be important. He's independently important. He doesn't need the world for his own importance. There must be a deeper purpose then. And I mean, with all that, he is also giving life and taking care of an entire universe. Yet, when we decide to talk to him, we don't have to go through secretaries and waiting lists and be put on hold and email. Just talk to him. The door's open. Despite him being the Adon Olam, despite us describing how great he is, the first half of the prayer. That gives context to how special the second half of the prayer is. He is my God. He's mine. And I know he's going to be there when I go to sleep. I know he's going to be there when I wake up. I know he's going to be there when I call. Going back to what we said at the beginning of the discussion, Rabbi Yehuda Hachasid and Rabbi Haigoon HaI from the Egonic period gave a guarantee that if you say um, Adon Olam with kavana, say it like you mean it, your prayers are heard. And there is no, the, the prosecutor can, uh, the, the Satan cannot prosecute on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Why? Because if I'm true, I'm, I'm going straight to, the, I'm bypassing the entire official system, the secretaries, the security checkpoints, whatever is at the, I'm going straight into the palace, the Adon Olam, I'm talking to God himself. And despite how great he is, he's making time for me. who Kaeli, he's my God
2: it seems like if you choose god and you see him his value and his and his powerfulness or his independence and you value it then you'll make the right decisions and you won't be in trouble with anyone so
0: right right
2: you won't even need the prosecution
0: the you'll be you'll be in a no. good place i like that
2: and that's why if you do it with kavana, that means that you actually mean it then you won't be in trouble
0: You've you've really that means we're really internalizing the value. Yeah. Well said. Well said. I like that. I like that. Well, that's my story and I'm sticking to it.